Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another quick bite. For this episode, I was able to sit down and talk with Shannon Wimp Schmidt, and it was a blast. And I think I have a new friend crush on Shannon, for real. She is a parish vitality coordinator for the Archdiocese of Chicago, um, a co-host of Plaid Skirts and Basic Black Podcast, and author of the book Fat Luther Slim Pickens from Ave Maria Press. In her free time, she also serves as the communications director for Catholics United for Black Lives, a not-for-profit working for social justice. She lives in Chicagoland with her husband, Eric, and their four children. You can follow her on Instagram at Team Quarter Black and at Twitter, Team Quarter BLK. Specifically, we also wanted to talk with Shannon as a member of the Black Catholic community because November is Black Catholic History Month. She has a wealth of knowledge, but also had such great insight into what it is to be a member of this particular community It was so inspiring to see someone who loves Jesus and is just doing the work, y'all. She's spreading the gospel, she's going out to the margins, and just all around being a bright light to me and hopefully to all of you too. So here's Shannon sharing about her work and one of her favorite saints. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Shannon Schmidt. I am a primarily a wife and mother to four beautiful children. Uh, but in my free time, I work full time for the Archdiocese of Chicago, working in parish renewal um, and helping people sort of encounter Christ uh, through working with pastors. And uh, I really love that work. Uh, I also am a writer and speaker. Uh, I am a co-author of the book, Fat Luther Slim Pickens, uh, a Black Catholic celebration of uh, faith, diversity, and tradition uh, from Ave Maria Press, which is published in 2022. My co-author, Marcia Lane McGee, and I are the co-hosts of the podcast Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, which is a Black Catholic podcast that looks at life, faith, and culture through a Black Catholic lens. Uh, And when I find time between doing all of those things to do something for myself, I am also the communications director for Catholic Catholics United for Black Lives, uh, which is a not-for-profit that works for racial justice through uh, the implementation of policy that uh, helps the flourishing of Black lives, and through that, all people flourishing in their community. You have so much going on. (laughs) I do, and I don't always do it well. Uh, (laughs) So here we are. I try really hard, but... um, you know, I the the one thing I always think about, people are like, how do you do all these things? And I'm like, look, I drop the ball on a lot of stuff, like my house, not clean. <laughs> like It's yeah. clean, like in that it's not full of germs, but like it's, it's messy. And like right. sometimes there are dishes in the sink and whatever. Um, and also I have a lot of help. Like I have family around me and they help me with childcare and those kinds of things. And that goes oh, a yeah. long way. So... But I'm so excited to be here with you. (laughs) Tell me more. So I recently, I just uh, spent eight years working in youth ministry, and now I'm home with my baby. But I was interested in your title. It's director of, it's Parish Vitality, right? Is that what it is? uh, Yes, Parish Vitality Coordinator. That is so cool. um, I feel like... I want to just like, maybe we might edit this out, but like the church worker brain that I have wants to know about that. Because I feel like that is so needed in our church. And I want to know more about how you're doing that. Um, So one 
so my role is really, uh, we say it's to drive parish renewal, but mm-hmm. uh, from a practical perspective, um, I work with pastors, their staffs, their leadership teams uh-huh. to really look at like, how do we make parishes both vibrant and sustainable for everyone mm-hmm. for the long term, right? Yeah. So we know that in the American church across the nation, uh-huh. um, you know, mass attendance is down, parish engagement are down, people are leaving the church, especially uh-huh. younger people um, in sort of huge droves for many uh-huh. reasons. Not all of them are bad reasons either. Uh-huh. Um, but as a church, we see that sacraments are down, all of these things. And um, we're at an inflection point in our history yeah. as the Catholic Church in America. And uh, really, ultimately, what we are about um, in the Archdiocese is about spiritual renewal. You'll mm. see a lot of um, stories in the news about how the Archdiocese of Chicago has closed all these parishes and combined them. And like, mm-hmm. uh, But the reason we did that is to make some structural changes in order to make spiritual renewal possible. And that's mm-hmm. my job, is to sort of drive that, to work with pastors to say, um, here are some core things we know about what works in evangelization, what works mm-hmm. in vibrant parishes. These are the things that they do. You know, they have radical hospitality that's welcoming mm-hmm. people at every stage of their mm-hmm. journey. They focus uh, primarily on evangelization as the mm. most important thing. And then yeah. everything else flows from that. We are have engaging worship and it doesn't all look the same, right? Like you can have engaging worship in a very traditional style and a very modern style, like mm-hmm. any type of music, you name it, like all of those things can look the same uh, or different and, and it works, but it's because we're intentional about the Sunday experience and mm-hmm. about people participating and how we engage them. Um, and really it's sort of about like systematically helping pastors and their teams to ask the question of where do people encounter Christ Mm. and how do we move them from that encounter with Christ to becoming missionary disciples who share their faith and serve others. Um, And so uh, it's all a little bit new, right? Uh, A lot of parishes have done this individually. You can read books like Rebuilt from Ave Maria Press or Divine Renovation by Father James Mallon that are like, individual parishes that have done this. Um, But as far as I know, we're the first diocese that's doing this on a very like systematic structural level to say like all of our parishes are going to try to do this Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't want people to leave the church and then, and then it's a dying institution, right? We know that the church worldwide is always going to stand, but that doesn't mean our individual parishes will necessarily still be there. Mm And so we want to say, like, what do we do to renew the church? It's called Renew the Church, this initiative, right? Like St. Francis did all those years ago in Italy. And to really go back to the heart of what the church is about. And that's Mm -hmm. uh, inviting people into discipleship and forming them for missionary discipleship. And hopefully we're going to do that. It's going to take a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like, okay, first of all, that this whole conversation could be its own like full blown podcast. But like I have spent, I will, um, gosh, was in like three or four different parishes. And I feel like just like the cultures that I've seen and just the amount of times that I was told, like, we don't do that. Yes. Oh, that's my least favorite phrase. I want to like, 
that's why like I I knew I wasn't going to be a life in ministry because mm-hmm. like that phrase mm-hmm. just like the burnout I felt just like mm-hmm. man so I'm so encouraged when I saw your title I was like oh my gosh Chicago is doing it for real Yes. Um, yes. And there are bumps and bruises, right? Oh, like it's not yeah. perfect. Um, there's been a lot of pain too, right? And like, yeah. Nobody wants to close parishes, Mm-mm. but also, right. It's not just about closing parishes. And uh, unfortunately we see that across so many dioceses. Mm-hmm. It's like we close parishes, now they're financially stable and we move on. Yeah. Um, and that's not the mission of the church. <laughs> it's not to be financially stable. It's to... Mm you know, go out and baptize everyone in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Yeah, and have personal relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> which the amount of, you wouldn't believe how many times I was almost kicked out for saying that because people were like, well, you hired a Protestant in here. No, what are you doing? Yeah, no. <laughs> I know. So I feel like I just want to pick your brain about this all the time. Um, yes. We could have well, our we can definitely have many more conversations. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. I just had, that was a tangent. I had to know about that yes. stuff. I'm I feel very... like we're, there are just little pockets of people like you and me who are like, what if we did this? And um, yeah. And like, we sort of gathered in this little cohort in Chicago doing this work. And um, like, I hope it just flourishes because I think it will like to the work we're doing could change every diocese. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. that's what we want for the church. So. I'm going to be praying for you guys for Thank sure. You. Thank you. That is important <laughs> work. work. Um, I don't think people realize how, how much it's needed. I think it's easy for people to like go to their church yeah. community and be in it. But if you're, not like really behind the scenes, like mm-hmm. there really needs to be a shift in the way that we just do church mm-hmm. um, or else it will not be sustainable. Yeah. Um, especially yeah, if you look at, I mean, I feel like in parts of Europe, the way that they have mm-hmm. secularized, mm-hmm. you know, we think here in America, like we're so like our, the faith in our country is dying. Like mm-hmm. you have no idea compared to Europe yes. and other places around the world. And unless we do the work like you guys are, like we're headed in that same direction. So I'm going to be praying for you guys because this is Thank something you. I am very interested in and I'm excited to see it on the diocesan level yeah, for sure. I get so excited when I, when I find my people. <laughs> because the other reason why I was so excited that it's diocesan wide is because there were so many times when I had a pastor who was like, let's do this work. You're in it. I'm in it. We're doing this together. And then it got stopped in so many yes. places just it's because so like hard to do it in a silo. It's so yes. hard. Yeah. So Chicago prayers for you. I'm going to be watching. It's going to be great. Okay. That was just like, that conversation was for my own enjoyment. <laughs> um, tell me about um, Catholics United for Black Lives. Because for our podcast, we, um, so the way we do things, I think I let you know, we pick like a different theme either for like two weeks or a month mm-hmm. or just like by episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did some episodes for Hispanic Heritage Month. And we actually started last year in November. So we're only like a year old, but some of our first episodes were for uh, Black Catholic History Month. Love it. Um, <laughs> so we're kind of, and the cool thing about the saints and just the way we do topics is that we can revisit every mm-hmm. single topic multiple times because there are so many amazing people. <laughs> so this will be like technically our first revisited um, mm-hmm. theme. 
since we've only been doing this for about a year, but I am a big fan of CUBL. I I think I follow everyone who's involved in it like individually. So together, I feel like you guys are a powerhouse. But just tell us like how it got started, what your mission is, and just kind of let's, I want to shed light on what you guys are doing because I feel like it it's important work too. Great. So um, Catholics United for Black Lives uh, is sort of came out of the reaction to the uh, death of George Floyd in 2020. Mm -hmm. As we remember, we were in the height of the pandemic. um, And unfortunately, the the way that the Catholic Church as an institution in America Mm -hmm. responded to it was so very piecemeal and in Mm -hmm. many senses for me as a person of color, disappointing from an institutional Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, And I don't want to criticize anyone in particular, but I just think Mm -hmm. that like we as a church, right, like to go back to what I was talking about with my job, um, right, like we as a church, we're so, we're not ready to respond to this very important moment mm-hmm. in, our, in our country's history and, and sort of this renewal of the civil rights movement in our time of like, what yeah. are the things that are preventing um, Black people and Black lives um, in particular, but all people, right, by extension mm-hmm. uh, from really flourishing. And yeah. of course, police brutality is, is a big part of that conversation. And so there are a couple of us who are... Um, you know, pastoral ministers and speakers, authors, podcasters, etc., involved uh, Black Catholics who were like, what if we started something for Catholics to be involved in the wider Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the concerns that many people had about uh, Black Lives Matter, the organization right. um, at, in their uh, response to things that we would say contradict church teaching. Right. So our impetus was to not only respond to this within the church to give a church voice to it, but also to say like, how do we bring about racial justice in a way that authentically aligns with the church's teaching? Because we would believe as Catholics, right, ultimately what the church wants for all people is what's going to be best for people, right? To, mm-hmm. to have... Um, you know, a place where human life and dignity is respected from conception to natural death, to have a place where uh, social justice is just a normal outgrowth of our encounter with Jesus. So uh, out of our desire to love other people, right, that we we not only um, meet immediate needs, but ask the question of like, why are people suffering in um, Black and Indigenous people of color, especially in our communities and what are the systemic causes of that yeah um and so uh we incorporated as a not-for-profit in october of 2020 um and while uh, most of our work has sort of been online advocacy uh we Mm -hmm. have done some more practical things like we've done a school supply drive to help communities in under-resourced areas under-resourced schools um, to get school supplies we have done uh, we organized a letter writing campaign Mm -hmm. Um, to especially state legislatures after the decision that overturned Roe v. Wade um, Mm -hmm. and some of those things to say, like, these are really important things that affect um, Black communities. But at the heart, when we help Black communities thrive, 
those policies help all people thrive, right? If we do better at um, training our police officers to be, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, intercultural to to help avoid police brutality, that's not just going to help black black people. It's going to help all people, right? Yeah. Um, You know, we see statistics that that helps Latino populations, that helps white populations. If we implement a policy that is driven at an economic reality in a black community, say something like, um, you know, making sure that there are no such thing as food deserts. Food deserts are where there's a grocery store. Um, You know, there's no grocery store available within, uh, I think it's 10 miles of a community, right? Where you're having to drive uh, out of your own community to get fresh food, Mm -hmm. Uh, right? When we we aim that, even though that is primarily affecting black communities, that's also going to benefit other communities. I I Mm -hmm. lived in a rural area that was predominantly white. I had to drive 20 minutes to get my groceries. And I could do that because I had a car and access and all those things, but that's going to benefit rural communities too, right? So, um, so that's the the hope, and to do that in a way that is authentically Catholic, that is in line with the church's teaching and in obedience to our local bishops. So um, that's our hope. Sometimes we do better than others, yeah. <laughs> but that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I think I was kind of watching like everyone was. We were at home, and I think a lot of people didn't know what to do during just mm-hmm. like such a hard time in our country and especially people of faith and you're right mm-hmm. some of the some of the reactions were disheartening and disappointing so as I watched you guys kind of form and take action um, I felt so hopeful that there was a place for Catholics to kind of direct some of their just need to do something or like you mm-hmm. said just um, that there was a place that we could be advocates while also still being true to like our Catholic faith so I'm a big fan um, of what you guys are doing. I think for me, I don't know if this is inappropriate or controversial, but I'm just going to vocal process. I think for me, whenever I see um, someone from the black community at mass, like I always immediately want to go and just be like, I'm so glad you're here because um, especially here in Texas in the South, um, it's pretty, I know it's countercultural for someone from the black community to be at a Catholic church because Mm -hmm. there's just not big pockets of that community represented, especially where I'm at, at like Mm -hmm. an affluent suburb. Um, Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of representation. So Mm -hmm. whenever I see someone from a black community, I always want to go up to them and be like, (laughs) I mean, I never do. And I always tell my husband, like, what's appropriate here? But I just want them to be like, I know what you're doing is countercultural for you. And I Mm -hmm. just want to like, thank them, but I never do. So I feel like um, an organization like you guys are kind of that space too. And especially Mm -hmm. your book to shed light on that. There is a black Catholic culture. Um, Mm -hmm. I just want to, again, just want to affirm and support what you guys are doing. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book and your podcast too? Absolutely. Uh, So Marcia and I started our podcast, Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, uh, back in 2018. Uh, So it feels like so long ago now. It was only four years, but it feels like forever. No, that's a long time. And yeah, this is good. We'll be five years next year, which is hard to believe. and we started it because one because we love talking and we think we're really funny. Uh, I think other people think that we're funny now that we've had some feedback. But um, 
and we have great conversations, but we also recognize that like we were having conversations as black Catholics. I'm a biracial Catholic. My mom is white. My dad is black. Um, that, that other people weren't having, um, uh-huh. in, in Catholic media and, yeah. uh, and that there really was not a lot of representation of black Catholics in Catholic media. And that's understandable in some sense, because uh, while there are uh, 3 million black Catholics in America or Catholics of African descent, uh, that's about, you know, uh, I think uh, 2% of the Catholic population. So yeah. even though there's a lot of us uh, in the wider Catholic realm, that's kind of a small percentage. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to sort of like start having these conversations about th- things that other people were talking about, but really looking at it at that intersection of what it means to be both black and Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sort of from that, uh, we were asked by Alvin Maria Press to write a book again, sort of after like in this aftermath of George Floyd and all of the mm-hmm. wonderful things that we're doing to bring attention to that. Uh, they came to us and said like, we think your voice is really unique and, and we want you to write a book. Um, and the story that sort of set it all off was our editor, uh, who was a podcast listener, was listening to this edit, uh, this uh, this episode that we did on um, on uh, Christmas songs, Black Christmas songs that we love. So we just talked about all the like Christmas songs we love yeah. uh, in the black community. And Marcia said something about, um, you know, like this, she was doing a Luther Vandross song. She said, this is the skinny Luther song, but I actually like fat Luther better. And there's yes. a whole thing about that. And, and yeah. so for those who are unfamiliar with this, uh, Luther Vandross, who was a great R&B singer, who's uh-huh. much beloved in uh, the African-American community, uh, he, he fluctuated his weight and he was a very, uh, a big man. Mm-hmm. when uh, when he first started. And then he lost a lot of weight to kind of like fit in with the pop scene and uh, yeah. it really damaged his health. It really wasn't great. And so, but that kind of coincided, his weight loss coincided with his movement from R&B into a more like general pop. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in Black families, you'll often hear like Fat Luther is the better Luther because <laughs> all, of the, all of his hits came mm-hmm. during his period when he was, the large fat Luther. Um, and so Marcia just said this as like a throwaway line. And our editor goes, yeah, that's right. Uh, she's a white woman. And is like, it, he did have better songs. No one's ever explained this to me. And so her impetus was like, can you explain to me all these things right? Yeah. That, I, that I think are right? And I, I sort of see from the outside. Um, but you know, like I don't have anybody to to speak those into my life. Um, and so we were, we were like, okay, uh, let's try and put this very random podcast into a book. And so uh, what we've done is in order to sort of harness our ideas, uh, the book goes through different liturgical seasons and feasts and talks about our experiences, black Catholics uh, frame, framed by that. Um, so the very first chapter is uh, about Advent, and mm-hmm. it's uh, the title is Janky Liturgical. It's a it's a phrase I came up with a couple of years ago to describe how I do liturgical living. I don't do like the beautiful like decorations and all that. I'm sort of like ah, it's Christmas like in two weeks. Like let's throw actually Christmas is like the one holiday I decorate for. But um, you know, or like oh shoot, tomorrow's uh, you know. Ash Wednesday, we have to fast and like, what, it's Mardi Gras, what do we do? Um, and so it was sort of the slapdash way that I live 
liturgical living. Um, and so talking about like, um, what does that look like from a cultural perspective as well? Uh, you know, talking about when we talk about Christmas, uh, those foods, those traditions mm-hmm. that are unique to our community, uh, like we see in so many different communities, right? Like you, you it's different when you come from Mexico or yeah. Panama or Chile mm-hmm. or when you're from Ireland or France or Italy, right? Everybody has their own traditions. Um, and so looking at that and how that, our experience within our culture and within our historical experience as Black Americans um, speaks truth, the truth of the faith, and also gives us a perspective in this particular time in history of how to move forward in our country and to um, build unity and diversity in particular. So um, if you want to get a copy of Fat Luther Slim Pickens, you can get that from Ave Maria Press. It's AveMariaPress.com. Uh, just type in Fat Luther and it's the only book. So yes. Just- <laughs> yes. I'll put a link for sure in our show notes so people Thanks. can pick it up. Yeah. So one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, and I should say I have a co-host too, Lena. Um, she is Indian American. So we're both women of color too. Um, she couldn't be with us today. <laughs> But uh, we wanted to have you on just to um, have you kind of spotlight a saint from the Black Catholic community. We chose saints last year. So she did St. Martin de Porres and I did uh, Sister Thea Bowman because I love her. But we wanted to have you spotlight a saint from your community, either someone who's been um, just impactful in your life or just someone you want more, you think more people need to know about. So we'd love to just how do you tell a saint story? That's basically what we do. Great. Well, the saint that I chose today, she's actually venerable. Um, her name is Venerable Henriette de Lille, and she is from New Orleans. I, don't um, I, I really wanted to talk about Father Tolton, but I think you've already had him already because uh, Father Tolton, um, I actually work, my office is like a stone's throw from where he worked and ministered. So he's oh, no very way. near and dear to my heart. But um, I'm sure that that other person did a wonderful job talking about what a wonderful man he is. So I want to talk. We haven't aired that one yet. So if you want to just do whatever. No, I I love Henriette Dillil. So I'm happy to talk. Yeah. (laughs) And she doesn't get a lot of attention. Before before Tolton. So so, uh, Henriette Dillil was a um, mixed race woman of color who – grew up in New Orleans. She was a free person of color. Um, She was born to a mother who was in, uh, and all the women in her family back uh, a few generations, uh, lived in long-term sort of like concubine relationships with the French planters who were coming over and living in New Orleans. Okay, I think they have that now. It's ringing some bells. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so she was born in 1812. So just after the Louisiana Purchase and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, and she she herself was raised up to continue and, and have her own sort of relationship as a, um, for lack of a better word, like a concubine to mm-hmm. a French, uh, Frenchman. Um, and so that was the way that those women kept themselves, you know, that they were able to have um, stability to be in these relationships uh, that they were born free and their and their children were also free and not enslaved peoples mm-hmm. and she was in this relationship in a relationship like this until she was about 24 there's some evidence that she may have lost uh, two 
two sons under the age Mm -hmm. of three. So for those uh, like myself who have lost a a child, um, maybe to miscarriage myself, that's myself or to, Mm -hmm. um, to, um, another illness she is a wonderful intercessor for that as well um and uh when she was about 24 she had a conversion in which she realized like what the life she was living there is not what she wants she wanted to live for the lord and she actually Mm -hmm. wrote and i'm I'm gonna translate this from french so i'm sorry said i i um believe in god i hope in god i love god and i want to live and die for god so she decides she feels this call to religious life but because she was a black woman living in in louisiana uh and this is true across the country at this point in time uh, so this is about 1830 1840 or so uh she was not allowed to enter into a religious order yeah. because they didn't allow um, women of color into religious orders. And so uh, she set up a house in a neighborhood called Treme in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and uh, which was the center of um, where in the enslaved people in the city lived. Um, and it was one of, it was kind of a mix between uh, free um, people of African descent um, and then on their free days, enslaved people would come on Sundays to gather in Treme, and that's where they had, like, their time to rest and be together as a community. Mm. So she sets up shop in Treme um, and uh, founds, in 1842, she founds what is now called the Sisters of the Holy Family. They were not allowed to be recognized as a religious order because, again, they were um, women of color and the church Mm -hmm. as an institution did not allow that. Uh, But they began to work in the neighborhood and take care of the immediate needs of the people to educate children. Mm -hmm. Um, And they formed what today is the Society of the Holy Family, which still both of the order of the Sisters of the Holy Family um, and the Society of the Holy Family still exist today. Um, and they worked to care for the sick, to instruct people, especially enslaved people, which wasn't mm-hmm. exactly, it wasn't illegal per se, but it was definitely frowned upon. <laughs> um yeah. And um, she even there's there's a um, Hallmark movie about her. Um, really? Yes, it's great. Oh. Starring um, Vanessa. Um, I was about to say Vanessa Hutchinson. <laughs> 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 um, oh my gosh. Uh, That's my Vanessa Williams. There it is. There it is. Vanessa yeah. Williams uh, plays Henriette Zulil. Uh, and you can see this. Um, there's some evidence that perhaps she, before she really founded the Sisters of the Holy Order, there was a, a Frenchman who wanted to take her back to France to marry her because it was mm-hmm. legal there. Um, but she ended up choosing to, to stay. Um, so you can watch this. It's a Hallmark movie with Vanessa Williams. And it's great. She's It's sort of like cheesy in the way that Hallmark movies are, but I love it. Um, Look that one up. Exactly. Uh and she continues, she eventually becomes um, the, 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 the order is eventually actually recognized as a religious order. Um, and it is the second, uh, I believe, the second religious order for 
Black women in mm-hmm. the United States. The first one was uh, founded in Baltimore by Mother Mary Lang, another candidate for sainthood. You can talk, look her up. Yeah. Um, and they eventually become a religious order and they work, um, especially through, there's a bouts of yellow fever um, mm-hmm. in those, in um, 1853 and then 18, I think 97 is when it is. Um, and eventually, um, she dies in the late uh, 1800s. Um, her cause for canonization was opened in 1988. Uh, she was declared a servant of God. Uh, the Sisters of the Holy Family, of course, put her cause up for mm-hmm. canonization. Um, and she was decreed venerable by Pope Benedict in 2010. Uh, she is the first native-born African-American to have her cause opened for canonization. So um, you, you, we also have Pierre Toussaint, uh, Venerable Pierre Toussaint, and um, uh, Mother Mary Lang, who mm-hmm. were both, um, who were actually the first two to have their causes open, but they were born in, um, both born in the Caribbean. So oh, yeah. she's the first native uh, African-American whose cause for canonization was opened. Um, and she is, um, I believe she's currently her first miracle is under review. So we may have oh. a beatification soon. Also, Father Tolton's uh, miracles are under review right now, which is very exciting. <laughs> Get very excited. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I think one of the reasons that I love her so much, uh, one, because as a mixed race person, like mm-hmm. living in sort of, the in-between spaces of yeah. what it means to be biracial. Um, I identify with her. Um, I think her perseverance in spite of being um, sort of told like what was expected of her throughout her life, right? She was sort of expected to enter into this like quasi marital relationship that was mm-hmm. not recognized by the church which she didn't want she lost children um she wanted she felt this call to a vocation but was denied sort of systematic sort of systematically denied yeah um throughout her life um and and she really did serve black people in spite of it being um you know right something that for her status, right? She was an upper class, um, free mixed race woman who mm-hmm. in general is very light skinned. So she could move through the world with a privilege that enslaved people and darker people could not. Yeah. But instead of doing that, she felt this call from the Lord and loved the Lord and decided to throw in her quote unquote, throw in her lot with others mm-hmm. to not ignore these people her people who she shared a common heritage with, but rather to invest her whole life in serving them because Christ loved them and she loved them because Christ loved them. Um, and, uh, and she really did give up everything, right? She had financial stability. She had an offer of marriage. She had all yeah. of these things that from the outside world looked like she would be okay. Yeah. Um, and she gave it all up in order to serve others um, mm-hmm. in, in the lowest of poverty. Right? Um, 
And along with that too, right, as, as someone who works for a not-for-profit that does racial justice in my role of working with Black Catholic parishes, right, like she is someone who invested her time and energy in community. And she wasn't perfect either, right? Like she wasn't like, oh, you know, sometimes I think with the saints, um, especially as women of color uh, mm-hmm. who are often made to make choices because of our marginalization, right? A lot of people who um, maybe can't get married because of man in the house laws, right? They want mm-hmm. to get married to somebody. Uh, man in the house laws, for those who don't know, are um, are laws that the, the government has um, that basically limit your uh, government aid, like a WIC or something like that, a mm-hmm. program, if you have a man who lives in your house and is working, like a husband who is working. Yeah. Um, they're extremely biased and racist laws. They're terrible, right? Like pe- children should not, uh, women should not have to choose between feeding their children and marrying the person they love, right? Um, yeah. So so she's someone who like was in this extramarital relationship who was, you know, she she wasn't like so many other saints, like she always wanted to be a virgin and yeah. give her life to Christ and all of these yeah. things. And and not that those are bad desires. Those are wonderful desires. But for people who maybe don't have uh, that sort of like quote unquote, perfect Catholic life from the outside, yeah. she's someone who is, has this um, heroic virtue, right? That she mm-hmm. continued to have a relationship with the Lord even in her quote unquote sinfulness yeah, that transformed her life so fully that she literally transformed a neighborhood and transformed the lives of thousands of enslaved and free black people in the city of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and that neighborhood, Treme, still exists today. The church that she founded still exists today. Like her handprint is all over that neighborhood and it is a, oh, I love that. Um, a wonderful community that you can go and visit and walk the streets where she walked you know i love that about the saints like we yeah. can be where they were and see the fruits of who they were simply because these communities are still standing and still flourishing today um and it still is a, a neighborhood that that struggles economically because of mm-hmm. systemic racism and things like that but but it's also a vibrant center of culture and has been a vibrant center of culture specifically Black Catholic culture for hundreds of years um, since the founding of New Orleans. And part of that is Venerable Henriette DeLeo. Love that. <laughs> Do you know how she even, like, what was her introduction to Catholicism? Was it just her proximity to the French, probably? Uh, so she was a baptized Catholic. She was baptized at birth, um, yeah. like most people in New Orleans in, in the 19th century. Uh, she was Catholic, right? A black yeah. people, white people didn't matter. Everyone there was Catholic because the French were Catholic and they founded it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, she came from uh, a family of both French and um, black people. Uh, people who were all Catholic from generations on. And so she was like, like many of us, she was a cradle Catholic who like grew up. She, she did the things she was told to do, right? She did, she had her sacraments, she did her catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also lived the life that she was told she needed to live, right? Cause this was uh, the, the way in which she would be um, kept safe to have income and to have a good life. Right. Um, but that encounter with Jesus Christ, that deepening love that she had for Jesus Christ that was sort of uh, imbued and started 
in her life as a yeah. cradle Catholic took root and changed her whole trajectory. Wow. Right? Like, yeah. I wish I could say that was true of me. <laughs> Just kidding. I love no. you. <laughs> no. no, it's a truly beautiful story and I hadn't heard of her. Um, I try to keep up with the canonization process for some mm-hmm. of our um, Black American saints, but I don't think I had heard of her or couldn't remember, but um, thank you. And we're down, I'm down in Texas. So yeah, New so Orleans is just, over. yeah, it is a road trip away. So I would love yeah. to go and visit that neighborhood. I bet the church they have has like an awesome gospel choir too, right? Yeah. There- yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a couple churches in that neighborhood. The big one is St. Augustine, which is the oldest black Catholic parish in America. It's the, the oldest founded. Um, and they have a great, great choir. So you can check yeah, that out. <laughs> Yeah, I have family in Tennessee, so we've um, had the opportunity to visit some of the churches that are like oh, a gospel yeah. mass. I love yeah. it. It's beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. It's my soul for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. So I forgot um, to ask you one of our main questions on Snacking with the Saints, which is oh, yeah. what is your favorite snack? Because I just was so excited to talk about your work. That's like yes. our main oh, icebreaker or like your I comfort so snack. Snacks, yes. Okay. Um, I think, I think my go-to comfort snack that I'll always eat is, um, Ruffles potato chips. This is very specific Mm -hmm. with French onion dip. Like that is, that is, I will always eat that. I also love chips and salsa. Mm -hmm. Um, I just love a a dip. I I love a chip and a dip, but those two in particular. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I love chips and salsa too. I like, um, I'm a ranch dip girl. Mm, I love, I love ranch, ranch too. Carrots and ranch is delightful. I mean, I'm in the Midwest, so we'll put ranch on just about anything. I've had ranch on pizza. A lot of people, I oh, like yeah. that. but honestly, the combo of ranch and tomato, like I don't oh, do yeah. it all the time. I'm not saying, right. Like I'm from Chicago. People are going to be upset about this. But every so often, when you want to be indulgent, it's a great little, great little treat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I do ranch on pizza, too, but it very much depends on, like, where the ranch is from yes. and where the pizza yes. is from. Because exactly. it's not just exactly. a free-for-all. You can't just course. throw, like, you know. Um, Green Valley. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. Not no. every time. Sometimes. No. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one thing that we always like to include, kind of just like to close out, um, we always like to close with like a blessing and burden just to like celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And then so that um, we can know what we should be praying for, for you um, or just someone in your community. So um, if you want, I can go first. We usually both share. (laughs) Um, We both share. We always have our guests share. So um, I will say this is kind of a silly... um, blessing but my um I have an 18 month old and he's um trying to jump he's trying to learn how to jump but it just looks like calf raises so it's just really funny so we're just getting a lot of joy out of that right now and then he'll like um squat down but then stand up and then do a calf raise so he just thinks he's jumping so that started this week it's really funny um so that's probably bringing me a lot of joy um, is him learning to jump. And of course, like terror, because eventually he will be jumping and he's already like a climber. 
So the timing-jumping combo Mm -hmm. is going to be terrifying. Um, And then I think, so sometimes we do really serious burdens, like sharing about loss and things. But Mm -hmm. I think right now my burden is that um, my husband had a very serious conversation with me. And it was about my, uh, the amount that I get iced coffee. So (laughs) I'm trying, (laughs) so out of respect for like him and like our goals, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to not buy iced coffee and I'm trying to learn how to make my own. Mm -hmm. And I just am not, I'm having a lot of fails and Mm -hmm. it's not going well. And there's just a lot of temptation to just go Mm -hmm. out and just buy some. So that's kind of my burden right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing away like a lot of like milk and just Mm -hmm. a lot of, or just making myself drink a bad iced coffee that I make. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my burden right now. I'm just having withdrawals probably. Yeah. Um, that's the, the struggle is real with the yeah. iced coffee. I ended up buying like the like pre-made iced coffee in the bottle and then just adding my own milk. And that was like my happy medium because I yeah. could, I didn't want to make it myself. So Yeah. I just bought some from Aldi and it was like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And like, it's fine, yeah. but it just made me like, wish I could just go buy some more. So, yep. so I need to find a good brand, but that's, I gave up trying to just make my own. Now I'm trying to find like a pre-made that'll work. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. my current burden. I'll pray for you because that's yeah. struggles <laughs> you. real. Um, and like, and like budgets, budgets, right? Like it's little things, but budgets matter in America. They do. Um, they yeah. Do. So. Especially when um, the order is like $7 every time. Like I'm with him. It does add up. It does. So I understand, but it's a hard, it's a hard journey I'm on currently. Yeah, you're not getting the $3 iced coffee. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not. So I understand. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, one blessing I have right now is, uh, so I I started this new role with the Archdiocese of Chicago and moved out of parish work. And for those who've been in parish work, know it takes up a lot of your time in the evenings and on the weekends. Um, And so I'm working a lot less evenings and weekends, which is great. And I get to be with my family a lot more. Um, And so just like the joy, like cooking dinner for them hasn't become like a burden now it's like a joy of like I get to be home and cook dinner and then like eat dinner with my family and just spend time it isn't just like I have to make dinner real quick so I can get back to my meeting and I still like I still have nights and weekends because that's church but it's so much less um and that's been such a blessing um because my kids are at an age right before they're about to get involved in everything so we Mm -hmm. still have them at home um but they're all five and older so like their personality oh I love that for you yeah so that's great um and my burden also has to do with budget um we are we're living currently living with my parents to save up money to buy a house because we are in the worst housing market in like 40 years thank you you (laughs) so uh so while it's definitely been a blessing to be with my parents and have like all of this wonderful time with family um the the burden of of saving money to meet our goal of buying a house has been so uh has weighed on me um and it's funny because like i don't really have a lot of barriers to that right like mm-hmm. i have everything i need um but you know like it speaks to that 
that need of our human need to sort of be in control and I'm not in control. And that um, is such a burden for me um, and really like a spiritual burden because it's, it means giving up like everything to the Lord. And so yeah. I would love if you, if you pray out there in the world, um, please pray for me to just let go and let God, uh, I hate saying that, let go and let God, but, <laughs> but here I say it, like to, to really just trust in the Lord uh, and that like his path really is the best path for me. Yeah, definitely praying. We did that too right before we got um, our home. So yeah. understand. I feel like that's the path for most people under yeah. the age of about 50. <laughs> a blessing that you have the place, but also a burden too. Because yes. so I will be praying for you in a special way. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's all I have. I don't have anything else. Oh, it was yeah. so great to talk with you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Snacking with the Saints. Snacking with the Saints is a member of the Spoke Street Catholic Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. You can also subscribe to be alerted of when we drop our newest episodes. You can find us on Instagram at snacking.saints.pod. Come on over, tell us your blessing and burden for the week. Maybe we'll share it on air. And please remember to keep us in your prayers. We're definitely praying for all of you.